with me in prayer. Heavenly Father, once again, we are grateful for this day where we can cease from our work and gather together as your people and join you in the work you're doing around us. And we pray you would speak to our hearts, encourage us where they need encourage, exhort us where they need exhorting, so that we would walk away from here with glory, wonder, and praise of who you are, Lord Jesus. It would make a difference not only in our lives, but our loved ones and all whose paths we cross. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. Well, happy Valentine's Day. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, Valentine was a martyr. So how in the world a martyr got tied in with 20th century romanticism, I have no idea. But happy Valentine's Day. And, uh, and I hope you all have had a good weekend as, as married couples and those who... Uh, are, are dating and pursuing such. One of my favorite romantic comedies of all times is uh, Hitch, starring Will Smith, who plays Alex Hitchens, the date doctor. All right? And so in that movie, he gets a client named Alfred Brenneman, played by Kevin James, who's a great comedian, by the way. And Kevin James, you know, is goofy, he's, he's, he's nerdy, and he's an accountant in this movie. And he's the accountant for this wealthy heiress who's stunningly beautiful, out of his league, and he wants to ask her out. So he hires the date doctor to help him. So he wants to ask her out to a dance. So Hitch is teaching Alfred how to dance. So he goes, okay, Alfred, show me your moves. So Alfred's showing him all his moves and everything. He's got no rhythm, nothing. And he goes, Stop! You. Elbows in, 90 degrees, right here. This is home. This is where we live. You know, I don't want to see any of this, you know, stuff that you've been doing. And he goes, that's what I'm talking about. And he starts to dance around. And then Will Smith just slaps him. Whap! Don't you ever show that to me ever again. Right here. This is home, right? This is where we live, all right? All right? I want you to look at this picture right here, okay? This is home. This is where we live. Because if you go to the book of Revelation, it's, it's as if we're dancing with our Lord in the new heaven, the new earth, and the feast, all right? I want you to hold that picture for the next three weeks as we take everything we've learned in the last five and start to apply it practically. This is not necessarily an expository sermon as much as it is a teaching on the realities of the Christian life, which is very practical and which you all can probably improve. And what a great series to be in as we enter Lent as we start to think about what are the barriers in our walk with Christ and what do we need to put out and what do we need to pour into our lives disciplines such as fasting you hear me talk about this on wednesday disciplines of increased time in the word and increased time in prayer well no no time like the present to start to talk about the disciplines of personal worship the daily office and weekly sabbath rest Turn with me in your Bibles to Daniel 6. We're going to refer to that. And you heard us recite the Ten Commandments earlier. And we'll get to the, the other six in our question of the week this week. 
uh, but I must preface all this discussion, quite frankly, okay? Because there's a real danger anytime you get into the imperatives of the Christian life. They're all grounded in the indicatives. If you've placed your trust in Christ, you are his beloved child, adopted, wearing his righteousness, all right? That's who you are. That's the indicative. Therefore, we live unto him, all right? All the Christian life is off of uh, what's been done for us because of what Jesus has done. Then we walk. We perform, if you will. Our culture flips it on the other way, right? Our culture says you need to earn it in order to have salvation, and that's not what the Bible teaches at all. The Bible teaches that we lost it all. You know, the world thinks we lost a little. We're, we're all sinners, yeah, but we lost a little. No, we lost it all according to the Bible. All our righteousness, Isaiah says, is as filthy rags. And because of that, we can't perform our way into his favor. All right? But there again, Jesus did it all, meaning Christ did everything necessary to completely pardon lawbreakers like you and me. There's nothing left to, to be done to earn his love for you. Nothing. The great trade of his righteousness for our sin has been done as we place our trust in him. And it completely satisfies God and puts us in this right relationship with him. Performance-based thinking tells you, well, he did a lot. No, he did it all. And the true gospel has no room for meritorious work, righteousness, earning our salvation. The true gospel has no room for that. And the only thing we contribute to our salvation is our sin, which makes our need for a Savior necessary. With that in mind, we recognize that also we get it all. All right? We don't get a lot. We get it all, meaning that God credits the full righteousness of Christ to his followers. Therefore, since we're forgiven all of our past, present, and future sins, we live in the light of that victory and that grace that he, we are fully assured of God's unconditional love. He has forgiven all our past, present, and future sins. Therefore, he gives us everything necessary to live rightly related to him. Everything. You know? And we are fully satisfied in life and eternity. And performance-based faith will tell you we get a lot. No, we get it all. We get, you know, we get all his favor. Nothing we will lack. Only when we believe we get it all, embrace the grace that comes via the cross, can we expect to rest in that grace. Rest in him. And to accept all that he did for us. Okay? So, that being established, all right? All our lives are what's been done for us, dear brothers and sisters. All Christian living, then, is a result of that love for him on the cross. With that in mind, uh, the first step in developing the relationship with Jesus Christ we're talking about is developing a time of personal worship with him. And also developing the Sabbath rest. These are two rhythms if you will, that are crucial to our discipleship and leading to maturity in the Christian life. And I looked it up this week, and it's, the American church is sad. 
It's sad. I looked at Barna. I looked at Lifeway. I looked at Church Answers. All leading research groups demonstrate that the state of the American church is marked by busyness. We're on the go. We multitask. We fit God into our schedules as we can. Uh, We live off of past professions or other people's Christianity. We listen to some Christian radio, a favorite radio pastor, or some type of podcast or what have you, because you can get great podcasts. But we, by doing so, we're basically picking up the crumbs under the, on the floor. Right? Many, most professing Christians are overloaded, overworked, exhausted, multitasking our way through our days, not even aware that we're doing life that way. But we're always on the go, and we have little or no time for God. There's a little head knowledge, but that head knowledge hasn't gone to the heart. So my question for you today is, how's your heart? Is it soft to the Lord and the reality of God's love for you in Christ? If not, there's hope. If there is, praise God. But we're going to spend the next three weeks in groundbreaking and countercultural ways that will help us all flourish in the gospel and our relationship with Christ. And they're all crucial to grow in Christ. And my friends, I'm not making it up. <laughs> it's from the Bible, and God's people have been doing this f- for years, the, from the ancient world, okay? First, let's look at personal worship, or in the Book of Common Prayer, it's called the Daily Office, all right? Let's focus on that. Jesus said to abide in him. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man will abide in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing, right? John 15. My point in sharing that is how? How do you abide in Jesus? All right? Well, what we're going to focus on over the next few weeks is just... Twice a day, twice a day, morning and evening, morning and night, morning and midday, whenever you do it, just begin short periods of time. Five minutes grows to 10 minutes, grows to 15, grows to half hour, grows to 45 minutes to an hour, hour and a half, three hours, whatever it is. Let's get started. We see in the Psalter that David literally met with the Lord seven times a day. Seven times a day, he stopped and went to the Lord in prayer. Benedict picked this up in the 6th century. The Benedictine order, all right? They came up with this so seven times. And so Benedictine monks, to this day, will stop and pray seven times. Now, we Anglicans, we tend to be a little more efficient, if you will. We'll be out in the world, but not of it. Uh, the Book of Common Prayer brought us down to four. Morning, midday, evening, Compline. And it's commended, not required. Okay? It's commended. But if you're going to grow in Christ, we need to set aside this time to develop this love relationship that we have with the Lord. And so in our readings today in Daniel, and, and there's a reason why we chose our last born child to be named Daniel. You have to love this guy because you know the story. I learned about it in Dr. Stiegler's office. You know, because I didn't grow up in a Christian home, but there were these golden books 
in the doctor's office. Some of you guys remember that if you're ancient like me. All right. Golden books were in the doctor's office. And every time I went to the Dr. Stiegler's office, I looked for Daniel and the lion's den. You want to know why? Because in the back of that golden book, it had some dudes getting eaten by lions and blood is spewing out. And it's totally awesome. And I loved it. You know, I thought it was great. You know, I'm sure the golden books, if they're still being printed, took out that piece of artwork, you know. But back in the 50s and 60s, we were like, yeah, the bad guys got it, you know. But that's the whole point, isn't it? That David, an older man at this time in chapter 6, has been being faithful to the Lord three times a day, morning, midday, evening, or night. We don't know exactly when. He didn't change who he was even under the threat of penalty of death. And who in the world thinks up of throwing, executing people by throwing them to hungry lions? That is a sick king, isn't it? But this is what they did. And King Darius got fooled because he loved Daniel. But those presidents and satraps and prefects were jealous. And so they tricked him into this order. The Lord shut the lion's mouths. He was saved. They brought him up out of the pit and threw all those bad guys into the pit and the golden book was so awesome because there they are, you know, one foot hanging out of a lion's mouth. It was awesome. Daniel didn't change who he was because he had a built-in pattern of spending time with his Lord who loved him with an everlasting love. We can be the same. And so our hearts, as we begin to spend times like this, are reshaped, softened, and we're focused. And we do so with the word of God open. You always start with your Bible open, my friends. Okay? That's first and foremost. So what do we do? As we do this, we remind ourselves that I'm not on the throne. God is. So first, you stop. <laughs> you don't go to your to-do list. You stop. And you have your, put, open up your Bible to where you're reading and what have you. And you just, just begin to focus. And that's number two. You stop, you focus. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. I'm focusing on the Lord here. Getting my mind. You might have 100 things on your to-do list. No, right now we're focusing. Silence, no distractions, all right? Take your cell phone, put it on the other side of the room, you know? Silence it. Put it on do not disturb so you won't even hear it vibrate if you have to. Whatever it is, keep it away. Take a deep breath. Say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Show me your glory. And learn to dwell in the silence. No noise, no background music, no nothing. Just silence. Four, read your scripture. And we're going to talk about this at the announcements. You know, what's your Bible reading plan? What's your, what's your devotional plan? We're going to, I, I'm here to help you with this, you know? If you heard my podcast on this, you know, daily, re, yearly Bible plans are great. But most people by, by late, mid-February are, are discouraged, all right? And so what I'm here to do is encourage you just to be in the Bible every day. Be in the Bible. So we're in the Bible, we hear the word, and then we pray. We pray using the targets of the Lord's Prayer. You've heard me talk about this a lot, right? 
Those of you who took journey with me understand this. You know, first, my Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. You understand that's a prayer, right? <laughs> that's, a, that's a prayer which asks, Lord, that in my life, you be hallowed, magnified. Lord Jesus, as I go about my day, may I make much of you. <laughs> That's what we're praying. Hallowed be your name. Right? So just spend a few minutes saying that to the Lord. Lord, may my life all be about you because I know when it's all about you, I'm most satisfied. Two, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That, Lord, reign in me. <laughs> May my life reflect that you are my ruler, that you're on the throne that I'm not. Lord, reign in Kimmy. Reign in George, Rebecca, Zach, Mary, Idabel, Penny, Ben, Amy, Daniel, Marissa, Jerry, Tammy, Iris, Gary. But I, started, I started naming you guys, you know. Just, I start going, I take the directory and I start naming the vestry especially because the vestry has a heavier ministry. And then I name for our families. And I pray for you guys at least three times a month by name before the Lord that God would reign in your life, that you have no king but King Jesus. And our lives reflect that. That'll change you when you start to pray that way. Third, you know, Give me this day my daily bread, which is a prayer for, for, for provision. What, what do you want? What are you asking God for, for others and for yourself? You know, just spend some time asking for that. Four, forgiveness. <laughs> um, asking the Lord to forgive you for all your sins because probably as you read the word, you might have been convicted of something you're doing something you shouldn't be doing or you haven't been doing something you should be doing, bring it to him. He's your heavenly father. You're his adopted child. You bring it to him at that point. And then finally, deliver us from evil. Deliver me from the evil one so that I may live to your glory this day. Clothe me with your armor. Send me out, Lord, for your honor and glory. As you begin to live this way, you know, and actually, after the scripture, you write down how God spoke to you. You know, just take a moment, just write down what did it say, what is God, what did He say to me, and then what does God want me to do with that, and then go into your time of prayer, guys. It's powerful. I mean, you'll find that 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 five minutes is not enough, but just start with five minutes and see where God takes you. And if you struggle with this in any way. Is a great time to jump into one of our little churches, okay? This is what we're doing this week as we, as we walk through this. I encourage you to do so. So that's personal worship time or the daily office. The word office in the Latin means God's work. It's participating in my relationship with the Lord and the work of God in my life, all right? That's what we're doing every time we pray that way. And if you need a form, open up your prayer book. It's all there. You can just pray the office and put the readings in to wherever resource you're using. Secondly, let's look at the rhythm of weekly Sabbath rest. This will be challenging to some of us. Sabbath means to cease. To cease from our jobs of which we earn income. All right? 
for one 24-hour period. In other words, a vacation day. No work today. <laughs> you know? But I got a to-do list. I got to get... No. Rest. And this is going to take practice, by the way. You know? To cease. It's essential for our growth and maturing in Christ, my friends. And it's important for us to remember as we get into this discussion that Jesus said the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Because we go to extremes, don't we? You know, you've got the extremes. I don't know any legalists. Do you? Do you guys know any legalists? Uh, you know, I don't know any legalists anymore. They've, they've kind of disappeared. Yo, yeah, Leah does. All right. You're working in a Christian school. All right. Um, um, I just don't, I haven't run across many lately. Um, people who, you know, you can't pick up a ball and play ball with your son on the Sabbath. Those types of extremes. We, we make rules and regulations, much like the Pharisees. And I'm sure they're out there, but I just don't know any of those today. What I see in overwhelming numbers is people who think the Sabbath is just an option. It's irrelevant. And it really has no bearing in our lives. And all research suggests that those who hold that view, as well as there's little personal worship in their lives, you know, are not maturing in the Christ. And they, their witness suffers, and the witness suffers in our communities. And it's important to remember, we're not saved by obey, honoring the Sabbath. All right? We're saved by grace in Jesus Christ. But the fact is, if we're not receiving the gift of the Sabbath, it's a good indicator that we're struggling in our walk with the Lord. If we're not receiving the gift of a daily personal worship time, we're probably struggling in our walk with the Lord. All right? So what is it? What is the Sabbath? Look at all of Scripture. It's not just in Exodus chapter 20. We see it throughout the scripture number one it's a day unto the lord the reformers called this day the lord's day jc Ryle used that term a lot so it's an anglican phrase referring to sundays there are 24-hour days for most people for most people sunday is that day so we, it's a day unto the Lord where we do not do any work at all, where we earn income, and we rest from that work, all right? Two, we gather together as God's people. The most noticeable text about that is Hebrew 10, 24. You know, consider yourselves unto the Lord. Do not forsake the gathering together as some are in the habit of doing, but gather together, you know, and all the more as we see the day approaching, all right? And then last but not least, we see it in our Lord Jesus Christ, who just find it Sundays or the Sabbath a dandy day to do works of mercy. So we do acts of mercy, the reformers called it. That if someone in the body needs assistance, we help provide for that person. If someone in the community, it, it comes upon us today that someone needs assistance, we, we do our best to provide it. That's what we do on this day. It is a 24-hour period to stop, rest, gather, delight in who the Lord is. All right? 
and contemplate how the Lord has spoken to us this morning through his word, through the word preached, through his word read, through the, the word sung, whatever it might be, and share it with one another and contemplate the great works of God in our lives. Stop, rest, gather, delight, and contemplate. So when you go home today, the first thing you do, football's over, right? So but don't turn on the TV yet. Wait, wait, get a bite to eat. Talk about how the Lord has spoken to you. you know, it's a radical shift from our culture. And it's not a sin to turn on the TV and watch a football game or a hockey game or a basketball game. But where's the focus? That's what I ask. Where's the focus of the day? Um, it's a radical shift. And let's have grace, have grace with yourself. It's going to take time to learn. So if you're, if you're going shopping this afternoon, okay, go ahead. You know, someone asked Kim, hey, you want to go shopping? She said, I'd rather have my teeth pulled out than shop on Sunday. I said, that's my girl, you know. How different is this day? It is different. And it's countercultural, but oh my goodness, it will be, lead to a less hurried life and a more anchored life in Christ. I promise you that. And this is a spiritual battle, all right? This is a spiritual battle. Scholar Walter Brueggemann said, when we practice Sabbath, we resist the principalities and powers of this present darkness, quoting Ephesians 6. We do. In other words, we all have an inner pharaoh that says work, 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 work. Stop. Rest. Gather. Delight. And contemplate the mighty acts of God. Now, of course, there's some of us who Sundays just don't work for. There's a portion of our population, doctors, nurses, policemen, firemen, pastors, you know, who work on Sundays. My, my Sabbath is Friday. And I struggle with this. You know, I do. You know, sometimes, you know, I, I, I got to get things done or something like that before the weekend or whatever it is. So I, I want to tell you that I struggle to do this as well. Because Sunday, as much as I love what I do, this is a work day. I'm going to go home this afternoon and believe me, after Sunday dinner, I'm crashing. All right. I, I kind of participate in the Sabbath with you. But it's not the same. It's me, my Sabbath day is Friday. And I try to do the same thing. I just can't gather. So I do my gathering on Sundays. And, and that's anybody, anybody who has to work on Sundays, that's the struggle we have. And that's okay. It's a calling. Being a doctor is a calling. And so I want to encourage all those who occasionally do have to work on Sundays, don't get legalistic about this. Just stay on the reality of God's grace for us. But let's prioritize this. You have a vacation day once a week unto the Lord, given to you as a gift. You have 52 of them a year. My goodness, that's, that's seven weeks of vacation built in, if you think about it, right? Not bad. Rest today and walk in the rhythm of personal worship and weekly Sabbath rest. Christian artist Nancy Honeytree was a good friend of Johnny Erickson Tata, and she wrote a song in honor of Johnny. I have learned from Johnny Erickson Tata a lot about personal worship 
and Sabbath rest from her. She grew up in an Anglican household where this was a priority. And she's been in a wheelchair since she was 19 from a diving accident in the Chesapeake Bay back in the late 60s. That means she's been in a wheelchair for over 50 years now, living under the glory of God, and yet she has personal worship time and observes Sabbath. Nancy Honeytree wrote this song in honor of Johnny. It's called Johnny's Waltz. Johnny can't walk. One day she's going to. And every single one of us, as we think about the rhythm of the Christian life, of personal worship, I want us to hear these words. Though I spend my mortal lifetime in this chair, I refuse to waste it living in despair. And though others may receive gifts of healing, I believe that he has given me a gift beyond compare. For heaven is nearer to me, and at times it's all that I see. Sweet music I hear coming down to my ear, and I know that it's playing for me. For I am Christ's, the Savior's own bride. And redeemed, I will stand at his side. And he shall say, shall we dance? And our endless romance will be worth all the tears that I've cried. My friends, that's rhythm. This rhythm of life of worship and Sabbath, personal worship and Sabbath, creating a soft heart and a sharp focus that we too will dance with one another in the Lord forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to know you. What a privilege it is to grow in you. And Lord, I pray that we would take advantage of all the resources you have given us. And in this country, we have so much. And we would pray we take advantage of these resources. And like Daniel, no matter what, be people of prayer. If it just be short times, morning and evening, that we would be people grounded in the reality of your grace and love through your word as we walk with you and one another. Do that good work in our lives, O oh Lord, and so that in discovering these disciplines, you would be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen.